Welcome to Sense by Meg Forer, the podcast that's brought to you by ParentSense, the app that takes guesswork out of parenting. If you're a new parent, then you are in good company. Your host, Meg Forer, is a well-known OT, infant specialist, and the author of eight parenting books. Each week, we're going to spend time with new mums and dads, just like you, to chat about the week's wins, the challenges, and the questions of the moment. Subscribe to the podcast, download the ParentSense app, and catch Make Here every week to make the most of that first year of your little one's life. And now, meet your host. Welcome back, mums and dads. It is absolutely fabulous to have you join us. As usual, we're going to be dipping into all sorts of interesting topics around little ones. Some weeks we discuss a theme, things like sleep or sensory personalities. And other weeks we have real mums like Cassidy, who's joining us today again, who join us to talk about their little ones. And we look at an age and stage. And if your baby's at the same age and stage, which this week is 22 weeks, you'll find that a lot of what Cass talks about actually really resonates with you. So I'm really, really excited this week to in, in welcome back Cassidy. She's going to be talking about her life stage with little Max. Hi, how are you? Well, thanks and you, Cass. Always good to have you back. Is it 21 weeks or 22 weeks? 22. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. So there we've got it. 22 weeks. I cannot believe it. Yeah. That's like half a, half a pregnancy. He's like really, <laughs> you know, moving along. I know. I, I think I say this every week and some some ways it feels like he's it's gone really fast and other ways it feels like he's never we've never been without him. So Yeah. That's exactly what it's like. He is growing really fast and I feel like he's really transitioning from baby baby now to sort of almost a little boy. He's really starting to develop personality and face his face is changing so much and just what he's capable of doing is is changing all the time. Very, very precious stage. Amazing. So tell me, what what have been the highlights of the week? What, what have been the good things that have kind of come and surprised you wonderfully? Well, so actually, w- one of the things we did this week is we took him for his first swing in the playground. Oh. So my mum had been chatting to somebody who had a um, little baby about the same age as Max and he was showing mum pictures of his baby on the swing and so my mum thought right, well, Max <laughs> must go on a swing immediately <laughs> yeah. so we we drove one morning timed obviously very carefully with sleeps and things like that to a playground that had sort of very, very young swings not this you know for his age group so that he was well supported and that sort of thing and yeah. um, possibly for slightly older but anyway <laughs> he was he was supported and his sitting is going quite well so we went to go and we put him in the playground put him in the swing I have to be honest I'm not really sure he was phased either way he he just yeah. sort of sat back and looked at us a bit to say okay well this is obviously more for you guys than it is for me <laughs> But what we both did notice is that he was absolutely focused on the other children in the playground and just couldn't take his eyes off them. And we both commented that really we needed, I needed to be making more of an effort to socialize him. You know, he, he does see, but previously, you know, he's going for walks with other parents that have babies in the pram and things like that. And so we 
have decided that actually the socialization side, and obviously we've discussed, he is a bit of a social butterfly, but I'm guessing is that a sort of a bit of a stage as well now where he's really wanting to watch and interact with other children? Yeah. So it's not so much play with other children. It's very much watching other human beings. And of course, human beings, his size will just be a whole lot more interesting than human beings mm-hmm. that he normally sees that they are bigger. So um, it's quite interesting. Social development happens along a trajectory and in terms of play, culminating in cooperative play, which only actually emerges at about two and a half years old. So it's like he's got quite a long time to go where he'll actually play with somebody and they'll be cooperating on the same task. So that's kind of building the same thing or, or, or kind of, you know, kind of really just playing with each other, maybe pushing a ball between them, that sort of thing. That, that takes a long time. That's only going to happen two and a half, even three years old. It's, it's quite a mature play skill. What happens before then is what we call parallel play, which is where you actually sit alongside somebody. You can both be playing the same game, but you're not actually playing with the other person. So if they're there or if they're not there, it's pretty irrelevant to the actual game. And that's parallel play. And those, that's actually the only, only that, that's the start of interactive play. So in actual fact, and that really will only happen, you know, kind of closer to a year of age. So he's quite a long way off that still now as a five or nearly six month old or five month old now. So he's away off that. So it's not so much that he's needing to socialize and play necessarily, but just that he's absolutely fascinated by other little human lives. And that it doesn't mean to say that you shouldn't be doing it. In actual fact, it is important. And, you know, we saw that in lockdown. It was just, you know, he's not a lockdown baby, but the babies who were born in lockdown could have gone for six or seven months without really interacting with another human baby at all and without even seeing people without masks on. So that was a whole nother story. But they really didn't interact with other babies. And so when they emerged, they also, unfortunately, it was a time of very high anxiety for many mums and dads because there was job losses, there was being isolated. There was just so many confounding factors that parents actually were not in their A game at the time. It was really hard to parent. You were tired, you exhausted, you'd been doing it on your own. There was no respite. You know, there were a million reasons why parents were stressed. So little ones had experienced high levels of stress, maybe a little bit of anxiety. And then you come out for the first time and mom and dad are actually anxious about who they're interacting with as well. I mean, I was thinking back to the early days of getting on an airplane or sitting next to somebody standing in a queue in a bank and you wanted to say to the person behind or in front of you, like, like move away, like keep yeah. your distance. Don't you know it's supposed to be 1.2 meters? You know, do you remember that? I mean, when you look, think mm. back to it. And so they had babies have been referencing this kind of minor anxiety in their parents, plus no interaction. And so they became a little bit more socially reticent, shall we say. You know, they just didn't, weren't as gregarious. They didn't just jump out there for many babies. Some babies did. And actually, I spoke to moms who said, gosh, my baby, the minute they were kind of let out of jail, they, they really, you know, kind of embraced the freedom. But for many babies, they actually didn't. And that's because they just didn't have the exposure. So in a roundabout way, having told you all of that, the name of the game right now is exposure. And that's why um, socializing with other people with little children is a good thing, because there's just that little bit of exposure to other human beings. He's not going to be playing with them. He might be fascinated by them, but it's not actually play. Mm. But it is kind of paving the way for what will come and what will become parallel play and eventually cooperative play. Yeah, it's actually really, it's funny you mentioned about the anxiety going out after it's a lockdown as well. I was going to say after COVID, that's (laughs) after lockdown. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And because when we were on the swing, as I got picked Max up out of the swing, my mum said, okay, now have you got something to wipe down his hands with? And then she sort of stopped herself and she said, oh no, well, I don't know, because of course, when I was young and generally how I've always, my approach has always been is actually 
you know, I don't want to be constantly wiping Max's hands down and, and keeping him yeah. very sterile because there's the building immu- immunity and, you know, that exposing him. And I don't want him to not ever play with dirt or <laughs> things like that. And it's, but it's also, you know, you don't know if now we're so used to wiping down after you've touched a surface that somebody else has touched and, and things like that. We, we went with, we weren't going to completely sterilize him <laughs> after he'd yeah. been on a swing. <laughs> swing. But it was that yeah. immediate reaction reaction yeah. of oh my god he's touched something should we and you know as I say yeah. we, we went with no but it's getting that balance yeah. right it is and it's such an interesting balance this episode is brought to us by parent sense the all-in-one baby and parenting app that helped you make the most of your baby's first year don't you wish someone would just tell you everything you need to know about caring for your baby when to feed them how to wean them and why they won't sleep? ParentSense app is like having a baby expert on your phone guiding you to parent with confidence. Get a flexible routine, daily tips, and advice personalized for you and your little one. Download ParentSense app now from your app store and take the guesswork out of parenting. So I'll tell you something that prior to COVID, I was quite a staunch anti-sterilizer. And I believe quite strongly that little ones needed exposure to fairly harmless kind of bugs and hoppers and germs. And, and there was a good reason for that. The reason was that, you know, your immune system in your body has, has a job to do. And that job is to fight something. And, and our immune system is really good at doing that. And so off go these little warriors and they go off to go and find a war. And so when something comes into the system that looks like it could be dangerous, they go in and they mount an attack and they, and they create immunity for us. And that's how immunity develops. And it's really, really important. Now, when life is very sterile, those um, little soldiers and, and armies are still there. It's just that they don't really have a job. And there is a theory that says that part of the reason why we've seen this dramatic increase in allergies is because immune systems haven't had enough to work on. And so because the immunity immune system didn't have germs to, to target, they started to target things that were not dangerous, like, for instance, pollen or, for instance, egg white, for instance. So there is a theory that says over-sterilizing actually isn't great. And I was a very strong proponent of that. And in fact, my husband and I, he, he always has sterilized his hands. We're walking through airports. He doesn't like, you know, if he touches railings, he's not wild on it. He's not, you know, he, he sounds obsessive. He's actually not, but he does actually sterilize his hands and always carried a sterilizer in his, in his travel bag long before COVID. Then, then COVID comes along. And in actual fact, we all use and hand sterilized. I mean, in South Africa, which is where I happen to be at the moment, you know, you walk into the shops and, they, and they've got a spray bottle and you have to take a spray of sterilizer every time you enter a shop. And so the world has changed. So how do we find a comfortable middle ground between COVID hysteria and maybe the pre-COVID advice on don't sterilize and don't, don't, you know, don't over sterilize. Um, and I think the reality is that when you are in public places and a swing set would be one of those, I actually probably would actually sterilize. I would probably wipe his hands down with, with a sterile wipe afterwards. And the reason for that is that play parks are notorious for little ones to be sharing germs. And some of the germs are things that he, he will get. So one of, and a good example of that is the Coxsackie virus, which is the hand, foot and mouth disease, which like when I say it to new parents, they're like, huh, my child's never going to get that. But in actual fact, they absolutely will. They create, it creates little pox and sores on the, on the soles of your feet and the soles of your hands and in your mouth and they lose their appetite. And almost every two-year-old I ever have known has gone through it. But that's the sort of thing that they'll pick up. It's not the risk of COVID or measles, you know, obviously in a, in a play park because, you know, there's vaccines that have taken care of that. 
But Coxsackie virus, yep, that's going to be there. And so I would actually sterilize coming out of that environment. But talking about your home environment where he might, you know, be picking up toys straight off the floor that the dogs have just licked, then I wouldn't be sterilizing. I would be letting his own immunity just deal with that itself. So it's middle ground. I was I was very much the same. And, and to, I used to work with a girl who was always sterilizing and she had loads of allergies. So, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it is a, yeah. and also was always sick. And, yeah. you know, I know yeah. I was very much left to, when I was little to sort of, well, I was not mm-hmm. sterilized yeah. and I very, very rarely get sick now, you know, and so I do. Got a robust immune system. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I, yeah. And, and I do, you know, even when we were, we were in the UK and somebody actually that we had come in contact with the next day tested positive for COVID and she'd been holding Max. Max had actually put her fingers in his mouth and things Mm. like that. And you sort of thought, oh gosh, you know, this is, but then I thought it is going to be tricky for us Mm. if he gets COVID. But I actually, with all of the knowledge, it it, it might not be a, the worst thing in the world for him yeah. to get, hopefully he would yeah. get it relatively mildly. mildly. And then again, yeah. he would start to build up a bit of immunity. The same with colds, you know, all of this. Yeah. I want him to get colds and yeah. things like yeah. that. I know yeah. he'll have but, a few sleepless yeah. nights. but <laughs> Yeah. And you know, they actually say that babies need approximately 14 childhood illnesses before they actually go to school, you know, and before they go to play group. And if they don't get them, so those little ones who are kind of more cosseted and kept at home and don't have exposure to any other children, they get properly sick when they start with crash. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and in fact, second children often get way less sick when they start with crash because they've had an older sibling who's been at playgroup or nursery who's been bringing back all the germs so they get them when they're younger so either they're going to get all 14 in one year as they start as they start yeah. playgroup or they're going to spread it out over the time so it's going to happen either way and yeah developing that immunity is important but mm. actually on that i mean it would be interesting to ask so 22 weeks old are you still sterilizing his dummies and his bottles yes okay so interesting I mean, if you so say i don't need a, to uh, that will be the yeah. best present in my news of the world Okay, so it's such an interesting one because mums ask me this all the time. Like, what? when can I stop sterilizing? And the reality is you can stop sterilizing as soon as your little one is lying on the floor and bringing a toy to his mouth that is has has been resting oh. on the floor. So so if, he, if he's lying on the floor and bringing something <laughs> So what is the right thing to do now? Washing in hot water is still very important. So you have to mm. wash dummies and bottles, absolutely but you don't have to sterilize anymore. Definitely not. So, so just being in the dishwasher. In, the, in fact, the dishwasher actually constitutes sterilizing out of interest because the temperature that the dishwasher gets to is high enough to kill any germs. So if you are putting his bottles in the dishwasher, then that's definitely 100% fine. But even for those moms who are not putting dummies in bottles in the in d- dishwasher, like for instance, dummies might not go in the dishwasher. It's a good wash in, with some soap, hot water, and then that's fine. It's, it, I mean, the actual fact is that even if you are sterilizing, if it's if it's touched the surface after that, it's not sterile anyway. So you can mm. definitely, 22 weeks, you can stop sterilizing. Good news. Oh, that is, I can't tell you that. I mean, I might even have some time in the morning before I'm rushing out the door to drink my tea. <laughs> yeah, of course, I won't. That. Something, something else will come up. <laughs> Absolutely. Don't bank on that. You've got about yeah. 10 years before you can enjoy a cup of tea on your own again. Yeah. So don't, yeah. don't hold yeah. your breath. My husband said to me this morning, we'd like a cup of tea. And I was like, I would, but there's just no point. 
It'll go cold by the time you get to Exactly. I'd like a yeah. hot cup of tea. So. <laughs> well, I can, I can tell you very excitingly what is coming your way is that enjoy going to the toilet on your own at the moment because that mm. is going to be short-lived. As soon as he's mobile, <laughs> no more going to the toilet on your own. And the amount of time I've sat down on the toilet with little ones and they've just even my friend's kids just opened up the door and walked into the bathroom because it is a free for all. <laughs> so enjoy that one. He's not mobile. Oh dear. No, well, there's a lot of things I'm enjoying while he's not mobile, but I don't think it's very far off at all. I, the other yeah. day, you know, his knees kind of came up underneath his body when he was lying on his tummy wow. and then went back down again. So I, he's, that's awesome. he's that's, showing that's- signs. That's good flexion. That's really awesome flexion. Mm-hmm. So we've kind of spoken about the good things, which was which centered around the swing and yeah. us into immunity. What were the challenges of the week? Okay, I feel like I bring this up a lot, but I'm still <laughs> not sure. And it is the night change. In fact, I was listening mm-hmm. to the podcast from weeks ago and I was talking about this then I think it was like seven weeks or something we're now on 22 (laughs) and it's still but the reason is because he feeds really well he's waking up once in the night and he feeds and then he will quite happily go down again and I don't need previously I would have to change him to try and wake him up as I swapped boobs and and that sort of thing. Mm. But now he's doing the whole bottle and then we're kind of sitting there doing a bit of winding and I could put him down at that stage. And so on a couple of nights, I thought, well, that's what I'm going to do because he hasn't soiled his nappy. And generally speaking, the everything I've read says if they haven't soiled, then you can put them straight down. And so I put them down and in the morning, his clothes were wet or he was waking because his nappy had leaked. So then I went a size up because he was kind of on the cusp. I thought maybe the Mm -hmm. nappy's not big enough. I went to size up. And while I was buying the next size up, I saw that that size actually did nighttime nappies, which were extra absorbent, lasted 12 hours, blah, blah, blah. So I thought, oh, great. This is fabulous news. So then the next night I put that nappy on. And the next morning he he hadn't necessarily leaked so much but all around his under the nappy his skin was just wet and I thought that was it's not that's not comfortable I'm not sure it's great for him to be sitting in that so I'm still I've gone back to changing his nappy but he Mm. will be nearly asleep on my shoulder and just not long after his feed and then I'll have to change his nappy and then of course he wakes up he's I can put him down and he will then Poo and R and play and for a good half an hour alone in his cot and then we'll hiss and then he'll go back to sleep. So it's not disturbing my night anymore. It's not necessarily a problem, but it just feels like, why can't I just leave him? Is it, it, he just is seemingly doing so many wees. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. If you enjoy my podcast, I would like to share one of my favorite podcasts with you, The Honest Hour. Christina Masaryk is mom to two boys and a third little boy on the way. She's an American expat living in Cape Town, South Africa since 2008 and decided to start sharing her experiences in parenting since 2017. Having grown up in a dysfunctional family environment in her own childhood, which led to her adoption at the age of 10, Christina is passionate about finding purpose and presence in parenting as well as exploring our own opportunity for healing and personal growth as we navigate the world of parenting our own children. Christina believes in ending the trauma cycle 
and that in parenting our own children, we can learn how to reparent ourselves. So pop on over to Christina's podcast, The Honest Hour. So a, f- a couple of things. So first of all, you can leave him. It's The nappies are so good at working the moisture right way. I wouldn't worry about him being a little bit damp underneath there. So if he's got nappies where, yes, he'll be a little bit wet inside, but it's, you know he's kind of seeing it through to the morning. And remember that that moisture is now going to be the same temperature as his body because it's against his body. So it's not going to be cold. And as long as he's not getting that nappy rashes, which is not thin, you know, then it's absolutely fine. Having said that, there is another solution. Well, well, so that's the one side. The other side is that actually, if he's a really good self-soother, which he clearly is, because if you're putting him down and mm. he's able to just kind of cool a little bit and fall asleep, then and it's not disturbing his sleep, then you could actually change it. You could. There is an argument to be made that actually, if you want him to have a clean nappy, then absolutely no problem with that. So my recommendation of not changing nappies is very much based on those moms whose ones won't settle easily. And then mom has to rock them back to sleep in order to get them back to sleep. And then you start up with habits, you know, so they have to, so, so mm-hmm. rather than start habits, then rather don't change the nappy. Having said that, there is another solution and that is to change his nappy before the feed. So remember the feed is the calming part. So what you do, pick him up, change his nappy, because then you've got rid of the urine that had been in there from the evening sleep. He's now got a clean nappy. He now feeds. He'll get himself nice and drowsy and then you can put him straight back down afterwards and that'll serve the same purpose. Yeah, it might be a noisy nappy change, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Because he'll be because he'll be hungry. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he now recognizes his bottle as well. I remember really, really early on, in fact, it would have been, he would have only been about six, it would have been very soon after we introduced a bottle, about six or seven yeah. weeks old we were in a restaurant and I put the bottle on the table and asked the waiter for some hot water and my mum, and he was just sitting on my lap and my mum said to me, there will come a time that you won't be able to just leave that <laughs> bottle on yeah. the table because he'll see it and he'll want it. And that time has certainly come. He And his yeah. mouth is like open, heading for the bottle and he grabs the bottle and shoves it in his face. <laughs> so, yeah. but I mean, I suppose, and he, I, he will now know when I go in at that time, I'm going in to feed him, but I'll, I'll definitely try it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and if he's got his comforter, he, he might be okay to just sort of shout a bit, but cause mm-hmm. he doesn't wake up yeah. crying for his feed. He just kind of, he, it's almost like he's enthusiastically telling me with a bit of a shout <laughs> that it's time, but he doesn't cry. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so you, you might have a get little bit of it. tears if you change it. Yeah. Possibly, but I, I, I give it a yeah. go. Yeah. 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 Give it a go. Yeah. Excellent. Great. And is he rolling now? He rolls both ways. And I mean, he, when I, sometimes when I will leave him talking of kind of the not being mobile, when I leave him, there will be times when I'll then come back in the room a couple of minutes later and he is not (laughs) where I left him. He's kind of rolled himself to a different part of the room. So I'm already getting the idea of before I leave, I have to make sure he's got a lot of just empty carpet space. (laughs) I can't remember if we've mentioned this before, but he's got a play mat with an arch that goes over it. And I sort of feel that it restricts him. So I've actually started putting a huge muslin out with toys on it so he can just roll around as much as he wants rather than restricting it and in bed he now his preferred sleeping position is on his side he'll roll over every morning onto his as soon as you put him down he rolls over onto his side cuddling his comforter and that's how he'll fall asleep oh amazing amazing and I remember last time when we were chatting last week we talked about the fact you you actually asked the question what does pushing up on arms mean as a milestone and I said well It'll first be pushing up to elbows and then up onto forearms and onto extended arms and then 
one day he'll accidentally roll over. And you sent me the most gorgeous <laughs> video literally that afternoon of him doing yeah. exactly that. So it is quite amazing how, you know, every mom of a 22-week-old is going to be experiencing the same stuff because that's what they do. Yeah. And it's interesting because he does seem to go through phases and we've discussed it before where he'll just roll all the time. Yes. And then he, then you can't get him to roll at all. And then he'll be rolling nonstop again. So as it, it's really interesting watching him go through these little phases where he's obsessed about doing one thing and then he goes off it and then he does another thing. And But he's so proud of himself when he goes onto his back that he just, he's slightly yeah. shocked because I think it goes quite quick. He moves quite quickly. Yes. So one second he's on his yes. front the next. So, so there's a moment of shock and then the delight across his face of what a, what a clever yeah. boy he thinks he is is just fabulous oh absolutely wonderful Cass so before we finish off are there any activities that you've been doing on the app this week that you've enjoyed that's in the stimulation activities yeah so there was one around an empty in fact there was one around an empty box and it was just kind of putting him in and pulling him for that movement and it it kind of he does love empty boxes and empty plastic bottles. There was also one around mm. playing with an empty plastic bottle. And I use that and sort of this, because it's got the sensory side from the sound when he squishes it. And yes. and we've his nanny made him, which is also in one of the activities, um, using an empty, empty plastic bottle. She made him a glitter bottle sort of with liquid and glitter yeah. in. So we've been recycling or upcycling yeah. sort of things because it is the case where you can, yeah, he's got all of these wonderful toys, but also that he doesn't have so many that we're constantly chopping and changing them. Yeah. So it's new and different when he gets a piece of rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I actually always said it's the very best things. There's four toys that you need at this age. The one is a box, the other one is blocks, the other one is a ball, and the other one's a book. So they're mm. the four Bs. They are th- th- That's actually all babies need. And, you know, I think unfortunately, and I'm not going to, certainly not going to mention any brands, but unfortunately, we are conned into believing that the brightly lit switch toys with the tunes and the reactive buttons are things that they need. And it just completely isn't. Mm. And we know that, you know, in terms of creativity and play and, you know, all sorts of things, it's actually just better to do, yeah, the block. I'm going to add, another B bottles as well into yeah. the mix are definitely good so <laughs> yeah I mean anything he can put in his mouth yeah I would say that almost I would say only about five percent of the activities in the parent sense app in fact have toys mm. the majority of them are actually things that you use around the house or your own self activities you do with yourself so yeah you are always the best toy anyway yeah exactly yeah, yeah. Oh, Cass, it's been wonderful catching up with your little 22-week-old and I really I do look forward to hearing, to meeting up next week again to hear what a 23-week-old is getting up to yeah, um, because every like week it's new. Every week is getting more, you know, there's just so much happening each week now. It's, it's mm. crazy. Mainly because he's awake a lot more than he was before. <laughs> Yes, of course, yes. Yeah, no, that's a big shift. <laughs> oh, lovely, Cass. Well, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. See Bye. you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks to everyone who joined us. We will see you the same time next week. Until then, download ParentSense app and take the guesswork out of parenting.